Welcome to Landmark Worship Center's audio podcast. We hope that this message will inspire and encourage your life. So open your heart and mind and receive what God has for you today. And uh, we have talked the last few times um, about the sensitivity of the senses. Um, Our five senses, the only portals into which God communicates with us. And uh, so far, we've talked about the sense of hearing, our sense of smelling, and our sense of tasting. Um, And I don't know about you, but it's been enlightening for me to study this out and uh, think about all the ways that... God actually uses our senses to communicate with us. Um, and I don't know about you also, but it's made me more aware, and that's what I want to be more aware of, uh, how he's trying to communicate with us. So today, we're going to talk about the sense of sight. The sense of sight. Before I go any further, I just want to remind everybody Um, If you did not get a Pentecostal experience Bible study, uh, there's a few left up here on the altar. Some are in Spanish. Um, But just to remind you to be reading through it every day, a little bit each day, until you know it very well, and you don't even have to wonder about how to share the gospel. And then we're going to put that into action here in a couple of weeks, so... The sense of light. I want to talk about being visually impaired. Visually impaired. So what does that mean? Visually impaired means a decrease in the ability to see to a certain degree. It also means being unable to see due to injury, disease, or genetic disorder. It could mean a range of vision loss. It could mean greatly reduced vision. Impairments caused by either eye, by either the eye or the brain, and visual limitations. So, we're going to talk about being visually impaired today. I want us to pray and ask the Lord for his help. Lord, we thank you, we love you, we praise you. You are good to us, God, so good to us. And Lord, we are asking for your help today and all that is done in your house. We want you to be glorified today in everything that's said, everything that's done. Lord, I'm asking you to anoint our hearing today that we would hear what you need us to hear today in the spirit God, so your word could go forth, change us, help us to become more like you, help us to hear the way you hear, help us to see the way that you see, in the name of Jesus, and I thank you for it today, amen, amen. The sensitivity of the senses, as with each of our senses, 
talking about the eyesight, we want to have the eyesight of the Lord. I'm not going to really be focusing on the natural eyesight, no pun intended. Um, But there is a lot of comparison of the natural to this spiritual sense that God has given us. Jesus talked a lot about our sense of sight. He walked on the earth. He felt what we felt. He was tempted, the Bible says, in all ways, just as we are. He could see what everyone around him saw. He just viewed things very differently than most. Was it because he had perfect eyesight? Well, I'm sure he did have 20-20, no doubt. (laughs) Um, But more importantly, he had the eyes of God. Eyes that only see truth. Wouldn't that be amazing? That everything you looked at, every situation you looked at, every person you looked at, you only saw truth. Not our interpretation of what we're seeing. Like, I could tell you right now, there's some people not paying attention to me because that's what I see. (laughs) But they're listening. But eyes of truth. To where every person we look at, we see the truth that's in them. Now, some people are like, that's scary. (laughs) Some people don't show up when Brother Smith comes to preach because they're like, he's going to see the truth. (laughs) the disciples and Jesus could all see the same person but Jesus saw that person through the spirit he saw into the deepest places of their heart he saw in the light of truth while the disciples 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 and other onlookers saw only things at face value or what seemed to be their value. Have you ever assumed something and then found out later it wasn't right? (laughs) Of course, we all have done that. Um, If you go to a sporting event, there's usually scalpers and they have tickets in their hand and this ticket could say, The value is $200. It says it right on the ticket. And you got it for $75. And you're like, wow. Wow, that was a great deal. And we go and find our seats and realize that that face value of $200 was not true. It really, the value was about $25. Because you can't even see the event. There's a pole in the way or you're so far away that the true value of the ticket is determined in that moment. Jesus addressed the spiritually blind many times in the Bible. He was very loving, very caring for those who were physically blind. He healed several blind people. But his concern for the spiritually blind was so much greater Because their salvation was at stake. Their eternity was at stake. Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 29, 
If your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. For it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for your whole body to be cast into hell. And now, you know, we could spend a lot of time today talking about all the things that we shouldn't be putting before our eyes. But Jesus wraps it up in this one scripture by saying that if what you're putting before your eyes is causing you to have sinful thoughts, is causing you to act in sinful ways, it would be better for you to be blind than to miss heaven. Jesus was pretty straightforward in his words. Don't be blind to your own sins. Don't deceive yourself. Let the Holy Ghost within us guide us into all truth. Should I watch this? Should I follow this person? Should I read this? We need to let the Holy Ghost be our guide. We need to ask the Lord, give us spiritual eyesight so we can see what we need to see. So what is the cause of spiritual blindness? We need to know the cause so we can find the cure and correct it. Well, one of the causes, as the Bible points out, is the enemy, Satan. In 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4 says, and I'm reading in the New King James Version, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. This lets us know, I believe, how to pray for people that are lost, that God would remove this spiritual blindness that the enemy has brought upon them. Um, Remove the blinders that Satan has placed upon people. I believe that's one thing we need to pray over the prodigals. That the Lord would remove the blinders that the enemy has put on them. And the same with ourselves. I don't want to be deceived within myself. I don't want to be spiritually blind. And believe the lies of the enemy. The second thing, pride. Pride can cause spiritual blindness. I thought this commentary said it well. One of the most blinding forces we face is our own pride. It inhibits us from seeing clearly because, of course, the only thing pride is concerned about is itself. The most dangerous adversary we face for living a full and fruitful life is our own pride. Pride is a sort of spiritual war blinding us to the truth we are all looking for affirmation but in its most dangerous form pride is not simply being proud of what you do it's boasting of who you are because of what you do it's an elevation of oneself c.s lewis said it this way pride is spiritual cancer 
It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Wow. Pride can cause spiritual blindness. When we're full of pride, we can only see things our way. And we struggle with seeing things the way God views them. Somebody said it in different connotations that if God himself came down and showed you this, you still wouldn't believe it. Sometimes we are that stubborn, aren't we? Proverbs 16, 18 and 19 says, Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Pride impairs our spiritual vision. It's self-deceiving, just as it was for Satan in the very beginning of time. He was very deceived. He thought he was just like God. James 1, 23 through 25 says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing him, observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. He's saying that those who hear the word and they do not do it, they look into the mirror and they don't even see the truth of themselves. This is how pride affects us. Humbling ourselves, getting rid of pride, humbling ourselves, I believe, clears our vision of ourselves. Another cause for spiritual blindness is ignorance. Ephesians 4, 17 and 18. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility or the ineffectiveness of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. We can't use the lifestyles of others as an excuse to follow their ways. We know what God has shown us. He has opened our spiritual eyes. We can't claim ignorance. It causes spiritual blindness. Acts 17 and 30 says, truly, these times of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands all men everywhere to repent. We need to ask God for knowledge, for wisdom, for understanding. And the Bible says he will give it liberally. We just have to ask. And the last thought on what causes or what can cause spiritual blindness, I'm sure there's other things, but following others. Matthew 23, 24 through 27 says, blind guides. This is Jesus talking to the Pharisees. Blind guides who strain 
out a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and the dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Be careful who you follow. Some people look the part. They may talk really spiritually, but what truly matters is if they measure up to the word of God. Do they bear the fruit of the Spirit? He said, you're going to know they're mine, they're my followers, by the way they love one another. Not because they can quote Acts 2.38, not because they know all of the Ten Commandments, and all of those things are important. Do they see people the way that God sees them, through eyes of compassion? Jesus was very harsh with the Pharisees about the only time that you see this because they were guiding and leading people astray with their hypocrisy. And that just, to me, I, sounds like it just turned his stomach. Like, I can't stand to be around you people. He said it was the blind leading the blind. In Luke 6, he said, And he spoke a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove that speck that's in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? hypocrite first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye jesus always saw things completely different than everyone else you know why because he was looking through eyes of truth that's all he could see was truth i'm thankful in my life, that when other people gave up on me, thinking she's always going to be rebellious, always going to be like that, whatever, that he looked and he saw the truth in me. He saw a very empty heart and soul, and he came and he found me and he rescued me. I'm thankful that he didn't see me as others may have seen me. I don't know. I've never heard him say it, but I can imagine some people see this rebellious pastor's kid acting like a heathen. Ah, there's no hope for her. She's just like, whatever. You know, who knows what people say. But Jesus, he looks straight into our heart. So, you know, we can really get fixed on what other people think. But we need to always revert back to, but what do you think, God? Because that's the most important thing. 
When others saw just a tax collector, Jesus saw Zacchaeus for who he truly was on the inside and not what he had been taught to be. The Bible says it best talking about David in 1 Samuel 16 and 7, but the Lord said unto Samuel, look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Some people use that as an excuse to dress any way they want to dress and say, well, God just sees the heart. Well, he does see the heart, but what's in the heart shows up on the outside. If you're looking for attention, you're needing attention on the inside, you're going to dress in a way to get attention. (laughs) But God always sees differently. And I want to see things the way that he sees them. I have just been praying and asking the Lord continuously, God, when I walk into wherever, I want to hear your voice. I don't want to hear all the voices around me. I don't want to hear my own voice. I want to hear your voice. When I walk into a service or to a store, whatever it is, I want to see what you're seeing. I don't want to see what I'm seeing. I want to see what you're seeing. I have been reading this book and learning through it um, that we really think that we're mind readers sometimes. We convince ourselves of how others see us when we've never even asked them their opinion of us. We've never even heard their opinion of us. We just assume what they're thinking of us. We seek very hard for the approval of others because we think we know their view of us and we want it to be good. We do. When in reality, we are wrong a high percentage of the time. We think people are thinking this and they're thinking that. And because we look in the mirror, we see all of our faults. We think when other people look at us that that's what they're seeing, all of our faults. It's really not the truth. So if you look around this room today, just like you would any other day, Are you literally looking around and picking out the faults and failures of people? You're not. We don't do that. What we do is we look in the mirror and we see faults and failures and we focus on that. And then we think everybody else sees us that same way. I want to see with eyes of truth. And I have my husband that helps me with that. Because there's no one harder on me than me. So he tries to straighten me out. (laughs) I think we had this conversation last night. (laughs) And I already had these notes written down, so you were just convicting me. Either people like us or they don't. But most of that has to do with them, not us. Either they accept us with our strong points And our unassigned abilities, or they do not. 
we also need to realize this truth. <laughs> that people actually spend very little time thinking about us. So, or evaluating us. Don't get caught up in that web, the lies from the enemy. Because really it doesn't matter even if people are thinking ill of us. We are seeking the approval of Christ. Because you will never please everyone. It just isn't going to happen. But we do need to be seeking the approval of Christ. We're probably more affected by our sight than anything else. Now, pastor may be affected by smell more than anything else because he's constantly talking about food. But <laughs> probably our sight and our hearing affects us more than any of our other senses. We really do tend to take things at face value many times. Jesus was not visually impaired. He was constantly shocking those that followed him. He saw beauty where other people saw ashes. He saw potential where everyone else saw failure. Aren't you so thankful for that? That he didn't just leave us where we were at. Oh, I'm thankful. We can look at the small children around our church. And some of them, their personalities just win us over. And some of them, their personalities make us question. <laughs> like, oh, we need to pray hard for them. Or whatever. We're really good at, or bad, calling out people's potential based on their personality. Sometimes we're right, but sometimes we are very wrong. You know, we take a child with an active personality. Let me just say it that way. And uh, we may say, wow, <laughs> they're going to be a lot of trouble at school. Their parents are going to be called all the time. Um, and we look past things that are in them, like a very kind and tender heart. We look past that they say things and you're looking at them like, I've never even heard an adult say that before. And it's profound. Um, I empathize with people who get a lot of calls from the teacher. I mean, I think Titus, we've talked about it before. I think he was trying to set a world record on SWATs. Because, you know, at the Christian school, you could still have corporal punishment. And... I mean, I was right there in the school. I had to give some of the swats. But talk about phone calls. And parents, you get weary. It gets, you feel like, does anybody like my kid? Because <laughs> everybody's constantly coming to you and telling you something they've done wrong. You just want to hear somebody say, hey, you got a good kid there. It's really easy to see the negativity in people. It's easy to see and wonder, will they ever grow up and become anything good to society? But I had my father and my brother, Chuck, who they could be very aggravating as children. So I looked to them, but they made it. They're successful. I think Titus is going to make it. <laughs> but he also was one of the most caring children. <laughs> 
If there was someone in the room over the age of 50, he was drawn to them. Where's your mom? Well, they've been dead about 50 years. Where's your dad? <laughs> I mean, when he was little and talked like that. He loved older people. He was drawn to them. He cared about them genuinely. And now look at the awesome man he is. There is hope. Yeah. Hold on, people. There is hope for your children. If they're wild and crazy, there's hope. And if they're just even killed and, you know, obey the rules, there is hope. Timothy and Micah, they're... <laughs> Not saying they never did anything wrong, but. But, you know, we do. We tend to be so aware of the flaws in people. It's so interesting the way God sees everything different. Just think about it for a minute. The children that are, even the ones just sitting here in here today, let alone all the ones in Sunday school and the students in the youth class, Possibly our future pastor is in this church. Maybe we should start treating them with respect. Right now, we do not know. God knows. We don't know. And when he looks at them, he sees who they're going to be in the future. And he's molding them and he's making them and he's putting people in their lives like us to make a difference. So if they're one-year-old, if they're 14 years old, we, the church body, are making an impression on them. We may see and look at them like, oh, my word, will they ever sit down and shut up or whatever? Or we can say, wow, they're going to be an evangelist because they can preach. <laughs> we need to ask the Lord to help us see the way that he sees I want to. I want to see. I may not be able to uh, tell the future, but I do know that if we treat our children with respect and we love them and we love them for who they are in their personalities, in their flaws, whatever, and remember, hey, we were there once. I mean, a whole lot of people put up with me. So, hey, who am I not to put up with children? <laughs> But we can make a difference in their lives. We can speak life into them. We can speak, you know, God is going to use you. And actually, he's using them now. If you were here a couple Wednesday nights ago, and the kids were up here singing, and Michael prayed over the service, I'm just like, here, just take the mic, take the service. Oh, he's awesome. We see so many things differently. We get a doctor's report and we see the words on it and we believe the words on it and we have no idea really what the Lord is seeing at the same time. I want to see it the way that he sees it. Sometimes our judgment of the situation is very clouded by our emotions. This is why we walk by faith and not by sight. If we walk by sight, we can go into such emotional frenzies, especially if you see a doctor's report that you're not really wanting to see. 
We forget that they're just practicing medicine and we forget that who the final authority is, the truth. When you walk by faith, your eyes look at things differently. You see a doctor's report. It may be negative to the eyes, to the natural eye, but your first thought is, okay, God, what are you going to do about this? What is your plan in all of this? Is there a doctor going to be saved because I have to go see him? Is there somebody I'm going to get to witness to, some technician? When you walk by faith and not by sight, you see things differently. Without faith, the Bible says, it's impossible to please God. How many times do we pray, I just want to please you, God. I just want to please you, God. This is how we can be pleasing to him, by seeing things the way that he sees them. I want to go back to the definitions that I read about being visually impaired. The first one was a decrease in the ability to see to a certain degree. When we're going through some tough circumstances, when it seems like we can't even touch God, we can't even reach him, he's so far away, our ability to see what he is doing or what he is allowing can decrease when viewed through only our physical eyesight. We need to have eyes of faith. So we do not have a decrease in our ability to see the way that he sees. Another definition of visually impaired is being unable to see due to injury. I think that we could all say we've been hurt before, even inside the body of Christ. And you know what? Those injuries can definitely cloud our judgment in being able to see past the hurt past the pain, and know, stand upon the word of God that all things, even the hurt, even the pain, all things work together for good to them who love the Lord, to them who are called according to his purpose. You are loved and you are called. So all of that hurt and that pain can work together for our good. Another definition is a range of vision loss. To be visually impaired could mean a range of vision loss. On a scale of 1 to 10, how is our spiritual vision? Are we only using our peripheral vision where we can see everything else, but we've lost our focus on Jesus? Do we still believe the promises of God? Are we looking around and saying, I just don't see it happening? Even when we cannot see it, do we truly believe that he's going to keep his word? We need to be asking God to help us to see 
according to what range he sees. <laughs> we need to pray, God, expand our vision until it aligns with your vision. I think if we only knew what God was up to, you could not wipe the smile off our face. If we only knew his plan of every one of these pews being full, you could not stop us from rejoicing. If you only knew that your spouse or your children were going to, not if, not maybe, they're going to be sitting next to you in church rejoicing, filled with the Holy Ghost, refilled with the Holy Ghost, if we just saw things the way that he sees them. Wow. God, expand our vision. To be visually impaired could mean greatly reduced vision. Greatly reduced vision. Is our vision impaired because of disappointment in people? Has our vision of our own ministry been reduced to almost nothing because things are not happening in our timing or according to our own plan. Lord, help us. Help us to see things the way that you see them. Help our vision. It also can mean impairments caused by either the eye or the brain. You can become visually impaired in your brain. Jesus clearly talked about the mind being blinded, just as the eyes can be blinded. Again, in 2 Corinthians, I'll read that scripture. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. John, in chapter 12, says that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore, they could not believe because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them some impairments are in the mind and then there's visual limitations sometimes don't you feel that your vision is limited even though you don't want it to be I think sometimes we put limits on God and what he wants us to see by always looking through just our fleshly eyes. If we would instead begin to see through eyes of faith, it's limitless what God can do. It is limitless what he can do. Some of the things that we have been praying for for so long, it seems so far away that we've lost our vision of it. We need to ask the Lord, help us to see what you see and pray in that way. We need to pray over ourselves 
the prayer that Elisha prayed over his servant when they needed a miracle. Many of you remember this story in 2 Kings. They were in trouble. But Elisha knew God was going to take care of them. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He was scared because he was seen with his natural eyes. So he answered, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. The servant was probably thinking, are you crazy? What are you talking about? Have you looked out there? Have you seen these horses and chariots? And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. Now the man wasn't blind, but he was spiritually blind. Open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Doesn't that make you want to pray, God, open my eyes to see what you see. Not what I'm seeing. I'm, I'm looking at my, used to be checkbook. I guess now it's all online. I'm looking at this and it looks pretty hopeless right now. But help me to see things the way that you see them, God. I think we need to pray this prayer. God, open my eyes that I may see. To my knowledge, there isn't anyone in here that's blind, physically blind. But sometimes we are all spiritually blind. We don't see things the way that he sees them. We don't see the truth. And I don't think it would hurt to pray for the enemy to be visually impaired. In the next scripture, Elisha continued on. So when the Syrians came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people, I pray, with blindness. And he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. God, open our eyes to see in the spirit and strike the enemy with blindness so they cannot see. I don't know about you, but I feel today more than ever before, especially with the way that the world is and with social media, with news. You can hear news from anywhere, everywhere, all day long. Negative, negative, negative. You can be looking around and you, we take our views from this news source and we take our views from what this person said and this is a great preacher so I believe what he is saying or she is saying and I'm, we just get our views from so many places. But we need to see things the way that the Lord sees them. God, open my eyes that I can see. 
You can look at all that's happening in the world and just be so depressed. Or you can look at all that's happening in the world and say, Woo, we're about out of here. <laughs> we are just about out of here. The Lord is coming. All the signs are lining up. We don't have to put up with this mess much longer. One day soon, my knee is never going to hurt. My arm is never going to hurt. I'm never going to be sad again. No more tears. I'm going to get to see my dad. I mean, wow. It just depends on how you look at it. I want us to pray today and ask the Lord to help us to see. Help us to see truth. Help us to see what he sees. Can we do that right now? Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for the way that you see us. I thank you, Lord, for eyes of faith. But God, we are asking today, and you said to ask, and we shall receive. So we are asking you today to open our eyes.